Hello everyone, and welcome back to The Board Gaming Doctor. My name is Phil, and I'll be your Board Game Doctor today. In this episode, I review a game that was highly anticipated for me last year, around the convention season during Gen Con and Essen. And this game is Path of Civilization, a story of humankind. This game is designed by Fabian Gridel. Art is uncredited because of the AI art, which we'll discuss later. Published by Captain Games. This game plays one to five players in about an hour to two. Its weight is a 2.75 out of five. Overall ranking right now is 3,875, with an average rating of 7.4 out of 10. This is a civilization-themed game that offers a few mechanical similarities to some games that we'll talk about soon, but mechanically makes this game interesting to me is first the simultaneous play. Without going into too many details, there are multiple phases during this game where everyone is playing a turn at the same time. Basically, what you're trying to do is play cards from your hand to your tableau to either gain resources to spend on future cards to buy or to spend and place cubes onto different areas of the main uh, central area to uh, use these to buy certain cards to your tableau as well. Not action cards, but things like wonders and leaders, etc. You can also place cubes to an area where you can have military influence and majority. Uh, there's a philosophy track as well. And so a lot of these uh, opportunities to play these resources occur simultaneously. And the one ingenious thing about this simultaneous play is, for example, if you are competing to buy a certain wonder card or a leader card, since there are simultaneous bids for these cards, according to your own tableau, there is a priority system set in place that would allow you to either win or lose a card that you are bidding for in comparison to your opponent who is vying for that as well. And that is baked into the card in the tableau that you are given at the beginning of the game. And so it makes those ties and situations where you are trying to get a card at the same time, which may or may not occur depending on the player count, uh, how frequent that may occur. But it makes it easy to break those ties and determine where you might go. You can... Uh, if you do lose, buy another card and have a chance to uh, take control of something else on the market, which is nice. And so I really like how they can streamline the tie-breaking situations and further speed up the gameplay through many of the actions being simultaneous. Second thing is the escalation that this game mechanically goes through as you are progressing through the game. This game is nine rounds long. And going back to the phase where you play cards to your tableau, you always have five cards in your hand, but you only get to play four of them, discarding the last card in your hand to a discard pile. And so the game forces you to not only make a decision on where you can play these cards, but also the decision of what card you want to get rid of. And you will always buy one card later on during the round, refilling your hand back up to five. And so these action cards that you're buying are the same every single game. You are buying these cards that give you the ability to 
gain certain resources or combinations of resources, whether to continue to buy certain cards that are better and better throughout the game, or to be able to place cubes uh, once again onto the uh, central area of the game. And so there is a constant escalation and decisions to be made of what cards to keep, what cards, uh, where to play these cards, but also which card to discard in order to replenish your hand with a hopefully better card that aligns with your strategy. In addition to that, the strategic focus of this game somewhat revolves around challenges and battles, and every round it alternates in between a challenge and a battle. The challenges often have objectives that are public for everyone to try to accomplish. No one is battling for or challenging for the majority of the points. If you happen to fulfill those requirements, for example, if you have enough blue cards in your hand, you add them all up for a certain amount of points, and there are often different objectives that you try to fulfill as well. But the decisions that you're making to replenish your hand and to continue to buy cards are often linked to these challenges and they kind of steer you into a direction of the decisions that you're trying to solve each turn. But then they alternate with the military battles and so you're always having to think about adding new military units to the military area of the board and being able to place a sufficient number of military points to hopefully gain enough benefit. And the way that they handle it as well is that the victor gets pretty much all the benefits that are listed. The second place gets some of those benefits and third and fourth place and so on get a minor reward as well. And so it's not as punitive. It's mostly opportunistic for those who are participating heavily in the battle situations. Third, the diversity of cards is pretty substantial in this game. There are plenty of different challenge and battle cards that you can mix and match and have a variety of them from game to game. The amount of leader and wonder cards that you can purchase from as well are varied. They are all separated into three different eras with different leaders and wonders that appear during those epics of time. And so you don't get to see all of those from their particular decks. You only draw three out of the 10 or 15 or so from each deck. So the variety is felt every game. And so there's a feeling of replayability there. And then to culminate all of those, the decisions that you're making each turn, thinking about not only what cards you want to acquire every round, but also which leaders and which wonders align with your particular strategy? Do you want to go and focus more on the challenges? Are there some challenges that you don't want to focus on? Do you want to really progress up the philosophy track as well? And and so there are a lot of decisions that pull you each turn. There aren't enough resources to allow you to do everything. You are trying to find the best solutions every turn with what you have to be able to get as many points as you can. When comparing this game to some other games that are released now, the first game that I thought of, and many people do as well, is Seven Wonders. Both of them offer a civilization-themed, simultaneous play experience. However, the resource management is a little bit more complex in Path of Civilization compared to Seven Wonders, 
but I will say that the experience in Seven Wonders does feel more interactive. You are constantly eyeing your neighbors to the left and to the right to see what resources they have available, which ones you may not have, in order to exchange money to build the cards that you want and play them into your tableau. You are constantly looking at each of those players to see where their military might stands and whether that is something that you should pursue or not as well. While the military aspect is very similar in both games, there aren't a lot of opportunities to interact with your opponents in Path of Civilization other than the situations where you're trying to buy the same card at the same time or obviously when you are participating in battles with military. And so if you're looking for more of an interactive experience, then Seven Wonders has that in greater quantity than, in, in my opinion, than Path of Civilization. Next, Dune Imperium is another game that I quickly wanted to compare. Mechanically, they're very different in rules complexity as well. Dune Imperium is a much heavier game than Path of Civilization. However, the way that combat is settled felt very similar in my first experience with Path of Civilization as it is in Dune Imperium. you If you do win combat, you gain a lot of rewards and those who are in second or third place acquire less and less resources, but it's never a matter of someone who is at the very bottom taking a punitive brunt of not you know winning a victory. You don't lose victory points. You don't lose resources, etc. It's only an opportunistic and positive uh, interactive experience versus another game that we'll talk about, which is very negative when it comes to military. Another game that recently came out last year, or at least was kickstarted, was Millennia. This is another civilization-themed game that boasts a lot of track progression, as does Path of Civilization. There are lots of tracks in both games, which not only allow you to progress and keep track of resources, but also where your victory points are coming from in the game. Millennia is a much more complex game than is Path of Civilization. There's a little bit of bidding and that kind of interaction that you have trying to vie for certain cards, but for the most part, mechanically, they're very different. And I think if you enjoy the tracking experience or progressing up tracks that you see in Millennia, and, or I should say in Path of Civilization, as well as Tapestry is another game that comes to mind as well, then if you want a more complex experience with track progression and a Civilization-themed experience, then you would probably want to try out Millennia. Finally, the highest, or one of the highest rated Civilization game, games out there, uh, Through the Ages. So Through the Ages is another card-driven tableau-building game. It is a lot longer, it's a lot more complex than Path of Civilization. I should say that the weight and rules complexity of Path of Civilization falls somewhere along the lines of Seven Wonders, maybe a little bit heavier than that game. But Through the Ages is a more punitive experience as well. If you are not keeping up, with your military and battles occurred, you know, during certain phases of the game, you will lose cards from your tableau. You will lose uh, the ability to progress in this game. And it's really hard to come back from. And so 
it offers a more, I guess, punitive interactive experience and through the ages. And some people like that, including me. But in Path of Civilization, it's a lot more friendly when it comes to military. And for points as well, it's a lot more feasible to get points and keep them in Path of Civilization. I went through the comments that people left on Path of Civilization on BoardGameGeek and summarized them using AI technology and came up with the following points, both in favor of as well as points of criticism towards Path of Civilization. Those who enjoyed this game thought that this game was very replayable, it was quick, it was easy to decipher on the table the iconography and what certain cards did. It filled the gap for a lot of people in between, uh, complexity-wise, between Seven Wonders and Through the Ages. If you're, you are looking for a Civilization-themed game, a lot of people enjoyed, obviously, the simultaneous play and the constant nature of upgrading your cards in your hand and progressing through the ages and through the rounds. A lot of people enjoyed that aspect. It reminded them of a deck-building type of experience. And for some, there were multiple paths to victory where you can diversify, but also focus in on a couple of different areas of the board, whether it's philosophy or military or otherwise, to gain uh, the points that you would need to be victorious. Now, some criticisms for the game, first of all, include the AI-generated art. Now, in my opinion, art is obviously subjective, but when it comes to AI-generated art, there are arguments about the, I guess, veracity of using that in a published game, whether it draws from already copyrighted or established sources and builds upon that, whether that is legal or frowned upon or not. That is something that I don't want to discuss or necessarily get in the middle of. I feel like, for me, this review is mostly focused on the mechanical experience rather than the art. I will say that the art on the cards and throughout the game did not necessarily affect me one way or the other. It didn't affect me neg- in a negative way, is what I'm trying to say. And so that is where I will leave that argument. Uh, for some people, the variety of cards was not variable enough, and perhaps they were referring to the action cards. They are the same from game to game, and they're very reminiscent in the if you were to compare the resource cards that you get in Age 1 in Seven Wonders. They're going to be the same cards that you see in every single game. There are some differences in what benefits you gain from purchasing certain cards, but other than that, it's the variety is not focused on those action cards, but in the other versions of cards in the game. For some people, the limited player interaction was a downside to this game and if you bought a physical version of the game especially considering the ai component when it came to artwork which is where i feel like some of the revenue or cost of of a game goes into the expense for this game for the weight that it provides was a little too steep for some one note on the solo play i thought it was fairly easy to run the automa during the game They didn't take very big turns. They would interact with the 
uh, markets of cards that are available in the game and with the challenges as well in the military at certain points of the game. And you would quickly do their action, which would primarily be taking away certain cards from the board or placing their military marker at a certain spot to serve as a competitor for you when you do score your points, but they don't score anything for military. And I thought it was ingenious the way that they decided how to set up the difficulty from game to game. There are four different categories of cards which tell the AI what to do and when to to interact with the philosophy track, with the military track, and with the wonders and leaders. And the easier versions of these four different categories of cards had them interacting at less frequency versus the higher difficulty where the opponent would interact with these areas at a constant rate, a more constant rate, and at a higher rate as well. And so with the really, for example, the difficulty with the philosophy deck of AI cards, they would progress a lot farther through the track than perhaps you would be able to, or the military. They would consistently have a higher military threshold that you would need to meet if you wanted to beat them in military and gain those rewards, etc. And at the bottom of each of these cards were how many victory points that particular card would add to the score threshold that you're trying to beat. And so, in essence, this is a beat-your-own-score type of experience, but it is variable and determined by which cards you decide to use at what difficulty. There's a bronze, silver, and gold difficulty for each of these four categories, and so therefore there are 12 categories in total. And so the combination of however you would like to arrange the difficulty for each of those aspects of the game really do affect the score every time and creates a different threshold that feels variable every time you play. So that was easy to run and felt unique as well. So finally, my concluding thoughts for Path of Civilization. This game felt really fun to play from start to end. It felt like the decisions that you're making mattered right from the get-go, and you were making tough decisions from the start. It was easy to learn, especially if you've played games like Seven Wonders. kind of had that similar feel for what you were trying to accomplish. Like I mentioned before, the strategy in this game felt like you wanted to try to do everything and diversify as much as you could, progressing up all of the tracks and buying all the cards that you could, but you were limited by the resources that you gained every turn, and so you had to pick and choose which areas you wanted to focus in while trying to do a little bit of everything at the same time, and so I felt like I was pulled in different directions, and that felt good. It felt good to try to figure out what I was trying to accomplish every turn, keeping my eye on the battles and objectives that are alternating every round, but also trying to progress up the main tracks that everyone was trying to move up as well. And so I liked the diversification of strategic avenues that were included in this game. The variety felt pretty good to me as well, Uh, not in the action cards, obviously, but in the wonders and leaders they had cool, you know, neat actions that felt thematic to the characters as well. And so I liked the variety that 
is inherent in the base game. When it came to the balance of these different avenues of strategy and what to pursue, I felt like there was not too much influence that your own personal tableau, which represented a civilization, had on where what paths you would like to take. I think it was the, the majority of where your points were coming from felt like following the challenges and battles as closely as you could to maximize the amount of points you had there. And the minor components included the wonders and leader cards that you were acquiring, as well as the action cards that you acquire. They give you some victory points there. Some of them had some endgame objectives that you could try to fulfill, very similar to the guilds that you see in Age 3 of Seven Wonders. And then there were some base points that you would get from the philosophy track as well, which seemed important and substantial as well. I felt like the military progression was not as lucrative when it came to points as it felt like in Seven Wonders. I think those who do focus on on military often do pretty well in Seven Wonders. It felt a little bit less lackluster, a little bit more lackluster in Path of Civilization, but those rewards were enticing every round. But that, I guess, punitive nature that is included in Seven Wonders, where you do get negative points if you lose wars in comparison to your neighbors when you are switching from age to age, did have a somewhat of an impact there. Now, I guess that's to say that I felt like the decisions that I was making, while I did feel that tug and that push and pull in different directions of what I wanted to try to accomplish... After I went through the entire game, which I was enjoying from start to finish, I felt like the the escalation of starting really small with your resources, not being able to do much, you know, only having a few cards that you can purchase from, but then having that ramp up just a few rounds later to give you more options of what to purchase and and where to allocate those resources for the wonders and etc. I felt like the decisions and the avenues that you took were roughly the same. I did mention that the military track didn't feel as point heavy as some of the other experiences that you're trying to have in this game, such as the objectives, such as the philosophy track, and the endgame wonders and leaders that you could purchase throughout the middle to late portions of the game. I felt like they were roughly equal, and so it didn't really... I felt like it didn't really matter at first what I did. Essentially, I would look for the most efficient ways to gain resources. I would try to, you know, put down as many resources as I could while following those public objectives. And that was enough for me to eat the game on its easiest mode, I think. So, at the very least, it's feasible to kind of follow the resources and make decisions there and so it there was a lot of hand-holding I felt like to allow you to beat the game at its easiest mode and so I think I will say that my point differential from the AI wasn't as substantial as perhaps I felt like there probably is a lot of room to grow strategically in this game and a lot of efficiency questions that you're trying to decipher in each round as the solo game at least gets more difficult but also 
as you introduce more players to the game. I, I've only played this game solo, and I would imagine if you play this game at four or five players, then the decisions are a little bit more numerous in the amount of wonders and leader leader cards that are available in each round. The interaction of choosing which cards to uh, bid for and hopefully purchase based off of your own tableau will obviously become a lot more contentious as you introduce more players who may be eyeing that card as well. And so I can see that situation coming into play where you're trying to think about what your other opponents may be able to do or may be able to do easily and what cards they purchase and that can alter your decisions. But uh, I guess off of first blush, it felt like it was pretty easy to just follow the resources, uh, pick up a card here to kind of give you an edge on an objective or a battle, and then use utilize those resources that are on that card to tell you where to focus your efforts in the next round. And so despite that, I think there is potential for this game to be a little bit deeper and more complex when it comes to strategy, but the rules overhead is not too bad. I agree with a lot of what people said that the iconography was pretty straightforward. I tended to go back to the rulebook or the glossary to look over and confirm some of those challenge cards and battles just to make sure that, and some of the wonder leader cards, just to make sure that I understood them correctly. And so besides that, it was pretty easy to know what you were doing phase by phase, turn by turn in the game, which I appreciated. If I were to choose this game versus Seven Wonders, I I think it would come down to time. I think, and if I wanted a more social and interactive experience, I feel like you can get that social experience better with Seven Wonders. And am comparing base game to base game, I have not really experienced the expansion material that Seven Wonders offers. And so that opinion may change based off of that, but if you're just comparing base game to base game, Path to Civilization, despite the simultaneous play, does feel longer. It feels a little bit more complex. And especially as the game progresses, I feel like those decisions become tougher and tougher. Versus with Seven Wonders, the decision space is very simple at first, and I think it ramps up a lot less than it does with Path of Civilization, in my opinion. I, I know you can play Seven Wonders very competitively as you understand the deck itself and the age cards and which cards may be missing and comparing that to your tableau and to what your neighbors are doing and trying to pursue as well. I know strategically Seven Wonders can be complex, but if you're just kind of comparing them casually, uh, then Seven Wonders is less of a heads-down type of experience and more of a heads-up and a more interactive social experience that you can play casually a lot easier than I think you can with Path of Civilization. But, and of course, Path of Civilization rules-wise does not compare to games like Tapestry or Millennia or Through the Ages. It is not as competitive, I would say, than compared to Through the Ages, which is very competitive, very uh, skill-oriented, where if you don't play the game right, you will have a bad time, and it's obviously a longer game as well. But uh, but aside from the component issues and the art issues, I thought Path of Civilization was a really fun game, and I think if I did have 
more time to allocate with my game group who really enjoy Seven Wonders. I think they enjoy it a lot more than I do. But it's really quick to pull that out and play it in 20 to 30 minutes, especially with players who have played it before. And to play it at higher player counts up to seven, it's a lot easier to do that in a bigger group with Seven Wonders. And so that has its time and place. But if I'm sitting down with three to four players, maybe five, and I have about an hour, an hour and a half to play a civilization-themed game, I think I would choose this game over Seven Wonders if I had more time rather than play Seven Wonders back-to-back. I think I would choose this game over Millennia as well. I think Millennia was a little bit too complex that, and it's mostly track-based, and I personally have more of a, uh, a fun experience when I'm building my own tableau out rather than progressing up a track in comparison to other players. But a lot of people enjoy that. And I think that's why I would prefer Path of Civilization compared to Tapestry. But something about Tapestry just calls me back every time. And despite the mechanical track progression, there's a little bit of tableau building and there's a puzzle that you get to solve with your your faction and and your tableau, the, the city board that you have and the tapestry cards that come out. And so, uh, so I, I don't know, it's hard to say. It's, it's neck and neck between tapestry and Path of Civilization, but uh, I really enjoyed my, my experience with Path of Civilization and hope to have more of that in the future. So those are my thoughts on Path of Civilization. Thank you for listening or watching and hope that you schedule an appointment with us real soon and hopefully catch you on the next one. Take care.